It's really nice to see you all here tonight. Thank you very much for coming out to this midweek Bible study and, and a warm welcome to everybody also who is joining us online. It's really great to have you all here with us this evening. For, for those joining online, if you don't know, my name is Pip and it's my privilege to share God's word with you tonight. I always say that before I preach because it is a privilege uh, to share the word of God and it's certainly an honour to preach from this platform and I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Uh, this evening is the third in our series looking at the, the life of Abram and we're going to look at Genesis 13 so if you have a Bible with you maybe want to look that up now as I just say a few thoughts as we lead up to, to reading that together. Whenever I, I looked at the, the scripture for, for tonight I, I went as I always would and and studied and researched hard to, to try and bring something of, of value and to hear what God would want to, to say this evening. And then with not being here over the past two weeks, for those of you who don't know, and would love you to keep this in your prayers as well, uh, in the hall, in the cafe upstairs at the minute is a, an attempt to try and reconnect with some of the folks who did Alpha, but maybe haven't been out to church since. And there, there are, are 10, 11, 12 folks who are, are at that. And there's a lot of potential in that. I would really appreciate your prayers for it. So that's where I've been. And it's not been here over the past two weeks. I did my research and then I listened to the sermons that Pastor Malcolm and Pastor Davy had preached. And then I panicked a bit because I thought, oh my word, everything that they are saying, that's what I've got in my notes to say tonight. And then I stopped panicking because I, I just thought, you know what, see if the same thoughts are coming into the minds of the pastors, and there's unity across those messages, maybe, just maybe, God is trying to communicate something to us, and I think he is. Actually, I really believe, especially from the start of uh, this new year, 2020, that the central challenge coming from God's word to us that's really holding all of the, the teaching together is for us to be passionate disciples, it's for us to be passionate disciples. And if you were out on Sunday night, who was here on Sunday evening for the, the young people leading us? Were they absolutely magnificent? How wonderful was that service? And that was the whole essence of their message, just challenging us about the passion that we have in our lives for God. And, and, and discipleship is always going to be a recurring theme in, in, in the preaching of this church because it's the life journey that God calls you and me, us as a, a community, to, to travel on together. Not just here in church, but every day of our, our lives. And you've heard all of us say this over the last few months. How we're as much a disciple of Jesus Christ on Tuesday morning and Thursday afternoon and Friday evening as we are here on a Sunday. And it's pivotally important that we, we catch that and, and, and we desire to live all of that out. So that's why so much of the teaching in church, it, it, it's directly related to the lives we live in a scattered sense because that's where we spend most of our time. So it makes sense that the teaching is applicable and relevant into those contexts. And the thought, the thought of hundreds of disciples in this church gathering and then scattering into their context to passionately and authentically live for God is a ridiculously exciting thought. It's a ridiculously exciting vision. And we believe in it because we fully believe in you. And we fully believe that in this church, there's more than enough potential 
and in our online community as well, to make a difference for God right across this world that we live in. But it all stems from our understanding of what it means to be a disciple and the passion, the passion in our hearts, no matter what season we find ourselves in, to live out what we understand a disciple to be. We're in a relationship with God. And it's a significant relationship with God. And at the heart of it is being a disciple. And being a disciple means that we passionately learn from Jesus. That we passionately follow him and passionately want to be like him as we go into our worlds to make more disciples. So this journey is a, a real one. It's one we're on together. And how good is it to look at Abram's story? Because it's massively relevant and he has so much to speak into our lives that we can learn from and follow in terms of the principles we come from it in our lives. So we're going to read chapter 13 together. and We're going to read the whole chapter. It's Genesis chapter 13 starting at verse 1. This is the inspired and the authoritative word of God. Then Abram went up to Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of, uh, of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Abram lifted his eyes and saw all of the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered. Well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now, and look to the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, for all of the land which you see I will give to you and your descendants forever and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of earth then your descendants could also be numbered arise walk in the land through its length and its width for I give it to you then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre which are in Hebron and built an altar there to the Lord Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. Tonight, I, I want us to think for a few minutes about focus. Focus. And an outline from the text how you and I can keep ourselves 
focused as we seek to be those passionate disciples that I was talking about in our introduction. We often hear about people reaching the, the, the top of their profession or their sport, and how focused they were and disciplined in their, their focus. They kept that focus on the goal and, and what they wanted to achieve, and they pressed on through the thick and the thin of their lives. And we've just read here about two men who were very clearly focused in different ways. Both men were believers. In 2 Peter 2 verse 7, it tells us that Lot was righteous. Both were believers, but their focus could not have been more different. And it affected how they lived. It affected their attitude. It affected all of the decisions that they wanted to make. If you think about it, in in Abraham, what we see is a man of generosity and unselfishness. In Lot, what we see is a man who is greedy and self-seeking. Abram, well, he walked towards altars of worship, where Lot walked towards wickedness. Abram was focused on the eternal promises of God, while Lot was focused on the temporal things of the world. Abram lifted his eyes to God, where Lot, he lowered his eyes to the best of the valley. The contrast between two believers in this passage could not be more stark, and I believe it all stemmed from the focus of their hearts. Stemmed from the focus of their hearts. Abram's heart was after God, and Lot had a heart that was superficial. He had a heart that was focused on himself and the, and the world. People often say that temptation comes into our lives mainly through the eye gate and through what we initially see. But actually, the, the big problem's in here. The big problem is in the heart, because don't forget... Abram also looked out on the plains. He saw exactly the same land that that Lot saw. But his response and his reaction to the whole scenario was extremely different because his focus was right. And we can see clearly here that that Lot's focus was self-centered. Abram gave him the choice and he lifts his eyes and he sees the plain and he took what was best. There's no mention of Lot praying. There's no mention of him going to an altar. There's no mention of him even asking, was this the right decision for his family? Was this where he could raise his kids? Was this going to be a good move? No, God was not involved in his decision at all. He just raised his eyes, looked at what was good for himself and he took the decision. He did things Frank Sinatra way, did it my way. See, when the rubber hits the road, the decisions we make reveal our real character. And what is going on here and here in our hearts? And you know, as we read that scripture, on a number of occasions we're given out the warnings about Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's been mentioned over the last few weeks about how this believer pitched his tent towards Sodom, which was pitching his tent towards evil. And don't forget that in doing so, his greed and his wrong focus and his bad decisions didn't just put his relationship with God with risk, but also his families. Not only did Lot end up in Sodom, his whole family also ended up there too because of his decisions, his ungodly, the ungodly decisions of a believer. Please never underestimate the power of how our decisions can affect those who are nearest and dearest in 
our, our lives, emphasizing the need for our hearts to be focused and right before God on all occasions because it was all downhill from Lot for Lot at that, from that moment on because actually what happened was he went from a place where he desired everything to a place where he ended up with nothing. You go to chapter 19, you'll read him and find him living in a cave. Two believers who were focused in very different ways. And there's a salutary lesson there for us, isn't there? There's a challenge that, that comes from all of this to every disciple of Jesus Christ. We can all be Christians, but our lives, our attitudes, and the decisions that each of us make can be very different because they all stem from the focus of our hearts. And the ultimate focus, of course, for every believer has to be God and how we develop our relationships with him. Nothing else matters more. And I know that no matter where you feel in your walk with God tonight or no matter what you're experiencing in your journey, that in the heart of every believer here and, and listening online will be a desire to have the most meaningful relationship with Jesus that you possibly can. We all want that. We all desire that, but we can only live it if the desire to be passionate to be passionate disciples, if our focus on God is right. And so what we need to do tonight is think, are there things that we can put into our lives that help keep that focus resolutely upon Jesus Christ, resolutely upon God, and help us to live out a passionate and wonderful life? And so I want to draw out a few truths from this passage that, actually, that help us see how we can be inspired in our focus. Truths about the grace of God that we've already been singing about in our service. And I want to show how understanding that grace is essential fundamentally essential in our journey as believers and indeed our journey with each other. Grace is often wonderfully preached from this pulpit and rightly so. Rightly so because it is fundamentally at the heart of what it means to become a disciple and then to live as a disciple. And as we think about passionate disciples, I can't think of a better theme this evening actually for us to think about that can encourage our hearts to be focused on God. Grace of course it's that free, it's that unmerited favour of God that you and I don't deserve in our lives and I love the fact that Genesis 13 starts with Abram journeying towards the altar at Bethel. I love this because of the context if your Bible's still open, you'll see that in the last part of chapter 12, Abram was coming back from Egypt where he and his family had gone during the famine. And during that visit, Abram had made a series of really bad mistakes and really bad decisions. He lied about Sarai and, and pretended that she was his sister. Uh, if you read on in the scripture, you actually find that she was his half-sister, but it was... So people say, was it a half lie? It was a lie. He said that she was his sister. And that he did that so that Pharaoh would not kill him. And as a result, Sarai is taken into Pharaoh's harem. So things went haywire. Things went haywire for Abram when he was in Egypt. And he did a lot of stuff wrong. But amazingly, he goes straight from the failure of Egypt to the altar of worship at Bethel. And I love that because he knew that he could call upon God. And I believe that's because he understood grace. 
He knew that he would be accepted and he sought God and he was restored in his walk with it. And I, I love the language in this scripture of how it says he went down to Egypt but went up to Bethel. And I'm not saying there's anything particularly meant in that, but I just love that language. He went up to Bethel because the grace of God always lifts us up. It always lifts us up and restores us with hope. Another thing I love about this scripture is that although Lot made selfish choices, uh, which led his whole family into proximity with unbridled wickedness. In verse 1, we read of Abram who had made mistakes, but he was going to Bethel not alone because verse 1 says that he went from Egypt with his wife and all that he had. And I love that. Lot, he led all that he was responsible for to sin and to wickedness, to Sodom, Abram had everything that he was responsible and everyone that he was responsible for to Bethel. And I love the godly example of that. And there's so much in it that we can take in terms of the responsibilities that each of us have. It was grace that inspired him to know that he could make that journey. And we as disciples must decide in our lives to live in the power and the freedom that we've been singing of in relation to grace, it's fundamentally crucial in helping keep that focus on God. See, every day we stuff up. There's no one here does not stuff up. Pretty much on a daily basis. But the grace of God is always here to pick us up, dust us down, and free us to continue to live for him every time we fail. And there'll be people struggling with this tonight. Every time we fail, we've got a choice. We can condemn ourselves. We can choose to do nothing and just live in the sin, not change. Or we can choose to throw ourselves upon the grace of God like Abram did. Often we find it easier to find that God, think that God couldn't love us. Often, if you're like me, we find it easy to to, to think and, and to doubt last week in the Alpha follow-up, one of the, the folks in, in, in the group looked at me and said, you're, you're a pastor. Do you ever doubt? I, I looked at her, what? Of course I do. You know, why would anybody ever think that because you, you get up and say a few things on a platform early that, that, that you're, you're void of doubt? Every single one of us doubts. Every single one of us can think of the failure in our lives and we can wonder, how God can you love me? That's the amazing truth and reality of grace that he does love us. He never gives up on us. How could God put up with me? How could God use me? That's the power of Abram's story because it shows us that no failure on our part or weakness on our part can, can minimize God's power to use us or to fulfill his promises and his purposes in each of our lives. It's down to the power of grace. Maybe some are here this evening or online and, and, and maybe I'll, I'll just use the word we, not you. We're acutely aware of failure. Can I encourage every one of us this evening to open up our hearts to God's grace? Choose God's grace. Don't decide to condemn yourself. Please don't do that. Because God doesn't. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ 
Jesus and his grace is what can set us free tonight to give us that godly focus in our lives and to live with godly attitudes and to make godly decisions. But please also, can I lovingly challenge anybody who might just be wanting to do nothing about their situation? And can I challenge us to not choose to stay in sin or to think that grace frees us to live in whatever way we want to? Because people do think that way. There's strange theologies that go around where, where people think that, that the freedom of grace gives them this license to just live whatever way they want and to do whatever they want in their lives. And, and to have that mindset of, of thinking shows that people who think that way, do not understand the power of grace and don't understand the power and the dynamic of the freedom that can come to us through this grace. The freedom that many search after and get obsessed with and immersed in in this world only brings bondage. Grace frees us to make the right choices in life. My wife Rachel often shows me the power of God's grace and her attitudes towards me. I have many failures, some of them silly, some of them trivial, but some of them not. And they're only known by Rachel because we're accountable to each other and God. And yet what I have found in her is the most Beautiful grace that does not condemn. Does that make me want to go and live a life of license to say, ah, oh, great, I can just go and Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I wouldn't dream of it because when I look in grace like that and when I see the power of that type of grace and level of grace, I could not love her anymore. And it inspires me to be free from things that I have said, thought or done to live in freedom and to live in that beauty of that relationship. And to want to be a better husband. To want to be a better person. Choose the power of grace tonight in your life. It's going to inspire each of us to make the right choices, to want to be that passionate disciple. Don't choose the way of license. It only leads to a downward spiral. You know, we've, we have mentioned over the, the last two weeks about how Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, but I want to take that thought a little bit further because it was a bad mistake and the environment that he found himself influenced the choices that he wanted to make and, and the decisions that he ultimately made. And it's exactly the same for us in the environments we find ourselves most in. Because if the focus of our hearts is not God, the problem is our hearts are, 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 are divided and they're, they're, we can't trust them because they'll lead us into ungodly environments and a place where we make ungodly decisions. Lot comes into proximity with Sodom. Chapter 14, we see that he's living in Sodom. But if we take that further, we go into chapter 19 and we realize he's not living in a tent in Sodom. He's living in a house. He is settled. He is settled in a place the Bible said was exceedingly wicked. Actually, take it further and it turns with a downward spiral here. It gets worse because in 19 verse 2, we find Lot sitting in the gate of Sodom. 
that place where the prominent citizens and the city officials sat to conduct community affairs, not only had Lot settled in this place, he had actually become one of the key influencers in the city. Thousands of years later is still a byword for wickedness. The downward spiral of license. There's no real freedom in it, no matter what the word promises. In this ungodly environment, it influenced him more than he influenced it. Sometimes we, we look at environments and we think, I, I can go in there and make a, make a, a, a difference. Or some young people, I, you know, I, I was leading a, a youth group in, in our church, we always say to them, you know, make sure you choose, if you're going to have a partner, choose a, a good, godly Christian girl or, or, or boy. Don't go out with a non-Christian because if you think you're going to influence them, because nine times out of ten or 99 times out of 100, it doesn't work that way. It goes the other way. And it's the same for Lot. He got influenced. And the picture, actually, when you read through to chapter 19, is one of a man who had compromised his integrity. He had lowered his moral standards and his godly witness. His sons-in-law actually laughed when Lot tried to give them spiritual advice. Such was the hypocrisy of it. And even at the end, the angels had to grab him at the last minute to get him out of Sodom before it was destroyed. He lingered there to the very last minute. And even after the city was destroyed, his wife looked back and, and, and there's stories of drunkenness and incest. What a mess. Watch the environments we find ourselves in most not only in company, but on our own. What's the environments we find ourselves in most? Sometimes it's only when we're on our own that we can realize the depths to which we can stoop. Environments take us either to God or they can take us in a downward spiral away from him. How horrible would it be for you or for me to get into a place in our walk with God where he would have to send an angel to rip us away from something that we're doing because we're so caught up in it and immersed in it because our hearts are not focused in the right way. Choose grace tonight. That's where freedom is found in our relationship. Please contrast here. The one who in his freedom made a decision that the world would applaud and say, that was a good decision, Lot. I'd have done the same. I'd have gone for that place too. But look at the consequences of his decisions. And contrast this with the freedom of the one who chose grace, who took everything with him to an altar. As we'll see in a minute, choosing grace and walking in God's ways is not always the easy option or a guarantee that things start to dovetail together in our lives. Because great, but grace, let me clearly say this, it's the only place where we can find true freedom and focus in our lives. Abram also pitched a tent, didn't he? And he tilted it towards Bethel, the house of God. He made a godly decision. But I love it. At the end of the chapter that we've just read, it says that when he moved his tent and, and, and he pitched it by the trees of Mamre, what is the first thing he did? It says that he built another altar. And I, I love the, the, the picture almost of that leaves in our, in our, our minds that it's almost like every day when that man walked out of his, his tent that he would see this altar. And it would remind him of, 
of the amazing God that he served, the, the grace of this God and how he had restored him and brought him to that, that moment in his life and, and also the, the, the sacrifice of his life to this God and the, the commitment of him to God. I, I love the fact that he pitched this tent outside where he lived. How can we pitch a tent in our lives? How can we pitch a tent in our lives so that every day we are reminded of the cross? We do it every Sunday, don't we? We, we, we come around the table and we're reminded about it. We tilt our, 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 our lives, the focus of our lives, and we think about what Jesus has, has done for us and is doing for us. But as 24-7 disciples, how can we pitch our tents so that every day we can be reminded of the cross and keep our focus on God because of grace? It's going to inspire us to make the right choices and to keep our focus on him. Can we open up our hearts to it tonight? But look, there's another crucial aspect. Are you still with me? Yeah. You are. You're listening really well, actually. There's another crucial aspect of grace when it comes to our desire to be passionate disciples. You see, when God's grace works in us, it should also work through us. It should also work through us. And I reckon one of the greatest evidences that our lives have been touched by the grace of God is seen in the way we show grace to other people. One of the greatest evidences that our lives have been touched with the grace of God is seen in the way we show grace to other people by giving freely what they do not deserve. Grace. It wasn't long after Abram was touched by God's grace that a big test came. He returned from Egypt a wealthy man, and Lot benefited from it. However, their prosperity, as we read, it meant that they couldn't stay in the same place. It was overcrowded, um, uh, and there wasn't enough grazing space, and, and not unexpectedly, conflict arose. Conflict arose between Lot's camp and Abram's camp because of those conditions. Sometimes we think that prosperity would make life easier for us. But often it brings its own challenges. And there was strife. There was conflict. And, and friends, as we go on this discipleship journey together, which is so exciting and amazing what God is doing in this church and where God's going to take us as a fellowship, it's just Staggering the very thought of it. But we're going to do this discipleship journey together. We're going to do it together as a community. And that's why one of the other key messages that comes from this platform is about unity and our togetherness and protecting our relationships with each other because it's fundamentally important to us achieving our goal, achieving the, the season that we're in, achieving what God wants us to do. It's massively important. But I want to show you from Abram a few practical principles of grace that we can apply 
to our lives and to those around us that can help our relationships stay strong and our unity together and ultimately keep our focus on God. Look at how Abram graciously dealt, dealt with Lot. Firstly, he chose to face the situation, didn't he? He called it out. He was aware of the difficulty, the strife between his herdsmen and, and, and Lot's herdsmen, but he didn't stay in denial. He, he didn't brush it under the carpet and hope this was going to go away or that the arguments, maybe they'll eventually die down, they'll see sense and we'll, we'll all get on with it. No. He called it out and he faced the situation. And that was very, very important. That's the important first step that he took. He called the situation out, but he faced it with grace. Because secondly, look at the choosing of his words and how careful he was with this. He made a plea for peace. He made a plea for peace. In verse 8 we see how he emphasized that their relationship was of paramount importance and that he wanted to preserve harmony. Abram says, please don't let there be any strife between us. We're, 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 we're brethren, we're family. So he, he affirmed his, his love for Lot and then he appealed to their relationship. But the genuineness of his grace was seen in how he chose to propose peace. But thirdly, Abram showed dignity and generosity by choosing to give up his rights. You see, Abram could have pulled rank here. He was the boss. He could have made the decision. He was the leader of the household. But he chose to give up that right. And he said, Lot, you choose. And it was all in the interest of harmony. It was all in the interest of harmony. He gave up his right. You choose. I, I'll take what you don't want. He was serious about peace. Matthew 5 verse 9. If you haven't been able to get out on our Sunday mornings, we're doing a, a series on the Sermon on the Mount. It is magnificent. Please get out or listen back online to some of the teaching that has been given. Matthew 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will see God Sometimes it's okay to relinquish our rights for the sake of peace, just like Abram did. But for me, do you know what the real litmus test was in terms of the, the genuineness of Abram's grace? It was seen when his nephew faded into the distance to the best of the land. Lot took advantage of Abram's graciousness. And folks, there is no guarantee when we try to resolve something graciously that people will respond positively to that. There is no guarantee of that at all, or that everything's all of a sudden going to fall into the place and it's all going to be rosy in the garden. And that will be the litmus test for us of how genuine our grace is, giving what is not deserved. Abram, he had clearly been touched by God, clearly been touched by God, and he continued to display a loving and gracious spirit with Lot. And we must choose to continually show grace in the lives of others, even when there seems to be a lack of it in their lives towards us. The heart of grace is freely giving what's not deserved. Abram lets Lot take the land he selected, but I think it's clear in this that he didn't go in stewing that. I don't think he went away and had weeks of sleepless nights worrying about it. 
And he didn't huff or he didn't go and sit in a corner or hold a grudge. His grace was genuine. And that is seen in chapter 14 when Lot was captured, how Abram went. He didn't say, ah, stuff you. You had that one coming to you, kiddo. No, he went and he rescued him. And then later on, whenever he was in perilous situation in Sodom and Gomorrah, he interceded passionately for, his, for, for, for Lot. His grace was real and it was genuine. And one of the greatest evidences that you and I have been touched by grace, well, it'll be seen in the way we show grace to others and, the, and each other in the journey ahead on this road. I want to ask a question. Well, whenever the worship team come up in a minute, um, I'll ask us to think about it a little bit more, just in quietness. But who do we need to show more grace to? Might be the person we drove here tonight with. In fact, more often than not, the people we hurt the most are those we're closest to. Isn't that right? Who do we need to show most grace to tonight? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a work colleague. But it's a worthwhile question to think. And what have we learned about the gracious way Abraham dealt with conflict? Firstly, deal with it. Don't let it lie. Don't let where it is now become something that is just irretrievable. My my personality is not one of conflict. I don't get into conflict with lots of people I generally get on with people but I've learned in life as a leader you can't avoid it it happens because it's personalities differences all of that sort of stuff throw it in and you can't avoid it sometimes we need to choose our battles don't we and we need to be wise about the battles we choose but often we need to face the conflict and we need to call it out because it's not going to go away if we brush it under the carpet. But secondly, when we do call it out, do it graciously. If it's a family member, if it's another believer, appeal to your relationship with them and their desire for peace and harmony. Jesus uh, says in John 13, by this will all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And thirdly, sometimes it's okay to give up our rights in a situation. Not always, but sometimes it is for the greater good. Some might say Abram was unwise to do this, give him the choice of the best of the land. I actually feel it showed that he had an enormous trust in God because he had a promise and he held on to the promise and he trusted God that he was going to work out that promise. So I think he showed great faith in his, in his manners, uh, mannerisms and in how he worked all of this out. But of course, in it, we need to show, pray for grace, especially if the other person doesn't respond the way we hoped. Grace is the truth that sets us free. To have a godly focus, to be passionate disciples, it frees us to see how God loves us and accepts us, and it frees us to choose to walk together in love and in peace. I I think that's an amazing story that we've, we've looked at this evening there's lots to learn from it and that's what a disciple is a learner not just a learner but a follower so we need to put what we're thinking about tonight into action difficult as that can be in many situations but i really hope that that something tonight will have struck a chord with us